Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Need to preface the news for NFL free agency by saying everyone's going to be shocked by all this money and then you're going to see Major League Baseball free agency go into full swing. OutKick 360 rolls on. Chad, can you name... The top, let's just say top three, top three wide receivers for salary in 2022. It changed today. Top three in 2022. As many guesses as you want, and, and I'll, I'll jump in quickly, but it, it will surprise you. It's not what you think. Mike Evans? No. Stephon Diggs? No, it's very lopsided, the opposite direction. So, okay. So See, it, now, you, now you've piqued my interest. It has changed today. So DeAndre Hopkins is the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL going into 2022, as it is right now. The other two either are not producing at the, a certain level or they're expected to based on what they're getting paid. Julio Jones is currently the second highest paid wide receiver in the NFL as we sit here today for the Titans. And number three is now Christian Kirk, who will get $21 million per season from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've agreed to terms on that contract that will become official upon the new league year on Wednesday. That is a massive contract. That also tells us that DJ Chark is gone. Um, He's a free agent. I doubt they're re-signing him if they're bringing in Christian Kirk. And they pair him with Marvin Jones and LaVishka Chenault around Trevor Lawrence and uh, what Doug Peterson's offense will be doing. I just don't hear a lot of people talking about a matchup with Arizona saying, well, we really have to stop Christian Kirk right. in this game. So that surprises me. It is a four-year, $84 million contract. This is the classic, you felt like you had to overpay to get a guy that you wanted and knowing you're going to have to pay him more than he's probably worth. And Christian Kirk gets the benefit of this. He had four games of 100 yards in four years, his four seasons. Yeah, that's not going to cut it for that kind of money. But he's got speed. Um, He's a a solid route runner. Um, This is Jacksonville overpaying to land the guy and get the bidding war over with. And everyone else looking at this going, what? (laughs) This is also a good year for the draft at at receiver uh, as well. Um, other headlines out there, Mitchell Trubisky to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chad mentioned this as a possibility last week. Uh, that's happening. Trubisky to the Steelers. Jarvis Landry over the weekend was granted permission to seek a trade from Cleveland, and today they just cut him. Um, my guess is there's some type of bonus related to that um, based on where they are, and they've cut him today, and immediately reports are out that Landry – uh, is showing interest, and, and rightfully so, has been shown interest from title contenders. Kansas City, Green Bay, 
Buffalo is on this list. Arizona is likely going to be on this list. Um, if you're looking at Christian Kirk and his absence, you automatically start pairing wide receiver there around Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, again, uh, start start looking for veterans to to find a landing spot as we get close to the the, the new league year. Um, beyond that, Chad, a lot of discussion about contracts and and uh, negotiations. The the next one is going to be about the next trade with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, he has the no trade clause in his contract with Houston, so he controls where he goes. Ultimately, uh, there are a handful of teams interested over the weekend. Uh, John McClain and others, and and McClain will join us tomorrow. They've reported that there are a number of teams that have jumped in the mix. One of them was Tampa. Of course, that's not the case anymore with Brady coming back. But there are two teams that are reportedly going to meet with Watson, which tells us and tells everyone Watson is okay with either of these two teams. Carolina, I I think Carolina is all in for him, and New Orleans. uh, With the, the quarterback issues they had a year ago with the free agents that they now have on the market, including Jameis Winston, Carolina and New Orleans are the two teams, the two front runners for Deshaun Watson in a trade that could come down from Houston. Well, it's going to be a blockbuster deal, whoever gets him, because he's, he's great. Did you see Adam Schefter? I don't understand at this time, but stepped in it again on Not Friday where he was tweeting for an agent and he, he said, this result with no charges being pressed against, against uh, Deshaun Watson, this is why they were pushing the whole time for, you know, we're going to see our day in court and be proven right. And people immediately jumped all over him. But I'm thinking, well, they, the grand jury didn't prosecute. So they didn't move forward. I don't but see it, anything wrong with what he said. I mean, that, that's, you're just telling the side of Deshaun Watson. You know, it's not the, both sides, but you're reporting what they're saying. And they feel vindicated in the moment when there's no, there's no reason for criminal prosecution. It, it, was, it was quite the news day and the victory from the criminal aspect of this for, for Watson. And again, I think teams will feel more comfortable trading for him. But keep in mind, um, while there is a sense of quote-unquote victory on Friday afternoon with what happened in Texas, the, he's still facing the civil lawsuits from the 22 accusers and the 22 massage therapists. Ben Roethlisberger did not face criminal charges. He was suspended by the NFL. Ezekiel Elliott did not face criminal charges. He was suspended six games for incidents involving one woman. You had, uh, there are others, um, other suspensions that you can point to, but with that precedent set, it's hard to believe that Watson, at least for me, it's hard to believe the league will look at Watson sitting out last year, which by the way, is not a punishment because he was paid in full and he was going to hold out anyway and demand to be traded. He wasn't going to play for Houston anyway. The only punishment that came down was the league not willing to do anything about it, and Houston was left with Deshaun Watson on the roster with the money that they owed him. Um, Technically, they could have suited him up and played if he would have played for him, but they knew he wouldn't. Um, So that's why he was was placed uh, behind the scenes and on the list he was on. That being said... If the league views this as punishment, it's, it's laughable based on the precedent of actually missing games and affecting your team. Because Watson was out regardless last year with Houston. 
I think that I, I still think he can miss games. I'm going to be surprised if it's not at, at least a half a season that he misses because I just don't see how, given everything you said, Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, all this precedent, you've got 22 accusers right now. Nine of them, their you know claims were thrown out of court. No, no charges. Well, nine nine of them Wilson. who went criminal. Nine of charges. them who went criminal. They're still a part of the civil. Correct. And the civil the, to but prove thir- a civil case is, is far easier. There are thirteen left. All right. So even if you sub- you can't do this, but even if you subtracted the nine, you have thirteen other accusers left. But, but criminally, it is beyond a reasonable doubt yes. of twelve jurors. Civil case is more likely than not. It can be fifty-one percent, fifty-one forty-nine, and you're guilty. Again. I think they don't even need a, a civil claim or win from, from the women to suspend him based on 22 women accusing him of this. Is that right? Is it wrong? I don't know. I'm just looking at precedent telling you the fact that they punished the Houston Texans for a year and made them pay Deshaun Watson with all this going on with him not wanting to be there anyways, that's not a punishment to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and they couldn't cut him because So there's the going to be hit. some sort of punishment, right. but this does open the bidding in the trade market. No doubt. That there's not going to be criminal. So you can live with that, right? If you trade for Deshaun Watson, I don't want it, but I can live with half a season that he's going to miss. And if I feel like I've got five or six years afterward with a franchise quarterback as good as Deshaun Watson. And there's no guarantees either way if, you, if you're making a deal right now with Carolina or with uh, with New Orleans. And keep in mind, for those that are going to say that he served his time and missed games, he was fully active and paid in full. That's not a suspension. And the, the league can't just do, do nothing if there's, if there's reason to suspend him based on the, the civil suits, which was all we were going by um, throughout the vast majority of the season last year. Uh, Dan Dockers is about to join us. We've already gone through the West – let, let's continue on our bracket breakdown and uh, move to the east bracket, which is the bottom left quadrant uh, for those filling out your brackets. Chad, who do you have coming out of the east? Well, let me start by saying I think this is the worst um, of the brackets. Um, the easiest path? Yes. Top yeah. to bottom, I think it's the easiest path for someone. So Baylor as a one seed, which you could argue them being a one seed, they are the defending national champion, caught a break uh, with this one. Um I like Kentucky. Yeah, me too. I, I think Kentucky's the best team in this bracket. Uh, they did not shoot the ball well against Tennessee. Tennessee's defense had something to do with that. They also missed a lot of open threes in that game. Uncharacteristic. Uh, I think Kentucky's going to be fine. I like their talent. I like the fact that for the first time in forever, John Calipari's got a team that's old because of all the transfers that are main contributors, including Oscar Shibway, who's probably going to be the Naismith Player of the Year. Uh, I really like Kentucky in, the, in this bracket. I think Purdue and Kentucky are both better than Baylor right now. So I, I think the Kentucky-Purdue game at the bottom of the bracket in the Sweet 16 will decide who wins this region. Scott Drew's done great. I mean, Baylor, without their leading score, without their starting big guy, they, they still end up with the one seed. So I, I do think going into the tournament, you know, they're back. They're the defending champs. They're back at the number one seed. I think there is a bit of a relief there for them. But they're not as good as a year ago, just based on the talent that's not available due to injury. Um, with that being said, it's hard for Kentucky to complain about anything. And when you start to look through this bracket, Chad, uh, I, Murray State 
and San Francisco in the 7-10 matchup. Guard play is on full display in Indianapolis. That, that, that's going to be great. I feel bad, though, for both teams because either one of these teams, for me, would have been the mid-major Sweet 16 Elite 8 run. Murray State getting the 7 is awesome. Like they're, they're, they're that good. San Francisco is also really good. They're the betting favorite in that game. San Francisco opened as the betting favorite. And one of them's out in round one. You can say that is how it is. And then they face Kentucky as Kentucky begins what many are saying, and we agree, is the easiest march to the final four, despite not being the number one overall seed. So uh, my biggest gripe is they didn't split Murray and San Francisco up. Beyond that, I'm intrigued by North Carolina um, but because of, of how they can match up with Baylor. St. Mary's is intriguing because they, they're at the five, they're getting the winner of Indiana and Wyoming. And why my gut wanted to go with Indiana to advance. Chad, I stuck with St. Mary. I've got Indiana advances, but I stuck with St. Mary uh, in, the round, in the first round because they will play in Dayton and then they fly west. I believe that game's in San Fran or it's somewhere out west. Uh, in San Diego or somewhere. Um, it's in Portland. In Portland. Okay, that, that, to me, that's a very quick turnaround with travel involved, and they get St. Mary's on their coast. I, I had St. Mary's advancing, advancing to face UCLA. So, I have Indiana going to the Sweet 16. I also remember watching St. Mary's work over Gonzaga not right. too long ago. They're a very good team. Uh, but Indiana, we'll talk about this with Dan Dockich, a pretty favorable draw for a team in the play-in game mm-hmm. uh, with Wyoming, who I think they're going to beat, and then they get St. Mary's, and then UCLA. UCLA's good. They're not great. Um, Indiana played pretty well down the stretch, so I like Indiana in the top half of the bracket. Um, I still have Baylor going to the Elite Eight. I think Baylor's good. I think Scott Drew has built a culture of hard play with that program that works in the NCAA tournament. So they've had a ton of injury issues throughout the year. And it's not just been one issue. It's been multiple guys missing different times at different times together, different groups having to play together. A little bit healthier now. Uh, I think Baylor gets the Elite Eight. You have Carolina or Marquette out of the first I've got Marquette. I've got Mar- I don't trust North Carolina. Um, Marquette went on a run late where they got in the tournament. And it's been a great first year for Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart, by the way, also pulled off the, uh, the Mike White specialty where he got out before the getting was good at Texas and went to Marquette, and he's done a phenomenal job in year one at Marquette. But I've got Marquette in that game. I think, I think it's chalk. I think it's Kentucky and Baylor uh, for the region championship, and I like, the, I like the Cats. I think Kentucky gets the Final Four. Where do you have Purdue? Is Purdue out in the Sweet 16 against Kentucky? Purdue doesn't have a point guard. I watched a lot of their. I've watched a so number of Purdue Virginia games Tech? this year. Um, no, I've got Purdue getting to the, the the game against Kentucky, but Purdue is going to be hampered by the fact that Jaden Ivey may be the first or second overall pick. They got the gigantic guy down low. Also, they don't really have good point guard play or a point guard to speak of. So I think it's going to bother them against Kentucky. I, I said it earlier, Hutton. Kentucky and Purdue head to head. I think decides that region. That Sweet Sixteen game will decide the team that's going to the Final Four. So I've got Kentucky winning that one. I've got Kentucky and Arkansas meeting in the Final Four. Chad, you have Kentucky and Gonzaga meeting in the Final Four. Uh, We will get to our final two regions 
coming up later in the show. When we come back, Dan Dockich. Don't at me with Dan Dockich mornings across the Outkick Network. Dockich joins us. We'll hit all the bracket headlines uh, and discuss his picks. Plus, Indiana gets in. Even though it's a play-in game, Dan is all in on IU because they made the tournament as the bubble. The bubble did not burst for Indiana or Wyoming. The same cannot be said for Dayton, for SMU, for A&M. Dan's thoughts on all of that next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What a great time of year. March and the madness of college hoops. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Our home studio will be the site for the tournament watch parties with Outkick and Outkick 360 on Thursday and Friday with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The only thing that can make it better is our next guest, Dan Dockich. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Mornings across the Outkick network. Dan, we, we can discuss what the committee got right, got wrong. We're going to hit coaching movement with you as well, but today is what makes college college basketball great all the debate and the anticipation for all the big tip-offs on Thursday and of course things really get going tomorrow how are you man you know it's funny among the many things that ESPN used to get mad at me was they always wanted to have like you know every draft expert on or not every well they did want to have draft expert (laughs) on but they always wanted to have you know, Lenardi and all these guys. And my answer was always, hey, look, Sunday night, they're going to tell us who's in the tournament. I mean, they're going to tell us. So, I mean, we can debate it. We can get mad, glad, angry, or sad. But they're going to tell us. And they told us. And like it, dislike it. But I know tomorrow night, they're going to tee it up right over here in Dayton, Ohio. I know my Hoosiers are in. And uh, let's go, baby. Let's go. Are you behind the Hoosiers the same way America is, where uh, Chad's got them in the Sweet 16? I've got them winning against Wyoming, but not getting past St. Mary's because of the travel. Do you buy into those types of, of factors this time of and year? And by America, Dan, he means us. Me and Hutton, represent, representative of America right now yeah. with our love of the Hoosiers I, I, in this, in I this bracket. I have my bracket open. I need to know how far you have them going yes. because I'll, I'll follow suit here. Well, I don't think the travel plays into it at all. You get it? If, if Woody's smart, and I think he is, he'll let them sleep if they win, obviously. Get up the next morning in Dayton. They get in uh, Bill Cook's big old 747 private plane. Uh, they'll be fresh after a night's sleep. They'll fly across the country in a luxury jet. They'll have film sessions on the plane. They'll get there, their rest. I, I've never, and again, this goes back as a player and a coach, uh, I've never bought – I know it's an easy thing to say. Indiana can lose because they're not going to execute. Indiana can lose because they're an under 500 team in the Big Ten. This this team basically played two good games, two and a half good games, uh, over the last six weeks. So it could lose, but I don't think I, – I, I don't buy into any of that at all. I didn't feel it. My players never felt it. I never felt it. Our media talks about it, and I get it. But, look, I have them beating Wyoming. I, look, I like St. Uh, Mary's. It, it's cute. Uh, 
but they're going to beat St. Mary's. Indiana's playing really well. Now, whether they can beat UCLA, I don't really know. I got them going to the UCLA game and getting maybe beat there. But I think Indiana's playing really good. I mean, I do. I think starting with the Purdue game, uh, I think they're playing really, really well. Um, and they just, you know, they didn't guard Bohannon, and Bohannon killed them late in the game. Is there anything Coach Calipari can complain about with the two seed, with the path that they potentially no. have in front of them, and, and, no. and, and knowing that Baylor's the one seed in that region? No. Hey, they got a walk. Uh, St. Peter's, I think they're only 17 points favored. They'll win that by 30. Murray State's a great – hey, look, if Murray State gets them, that would be tragic, and that will be a bad day leading up to the game for Calipari because one of the things you don't want to do when you're the big dog is lose to a team in your state from the OVC, right? Uh, but they got to walk, and then, you know, then it gets tough, as it should in the 16. He best not complain about nothing. Baylor, I think, is the worst of the one seeds. I didn't think they even deserved to be a one seed. But, again, I don't know who you're putting them in there. I thought Tennessee made made uh, Kentucky look sick. I thought it wasn't even close. It was never going to be a game. I don't know whether that's, you know, I know there's always excuses coming out of Kentucky, whether it's everybody's hurt, everybody's not hurt. Hell, it gives me a headache when Kentucky loses and they, they make excuses. But no, Kentucky's got a freaking easiest path that there is. Good for them. Think about what Auburn's got to play, USC or Miami of Florida in the second round. Oh, by the way, Miami of Florida went into Duke and beat Duke. Look who uh, Villanova's got to play. Oh, I don't know, Ohio State that at one point was leading the Big Ten or Loyola Chicago, who's got a bunch of guys, particularly a guy named Williamson, uh, who is maybe the best all-around basketball player in the country. And then Duke, all they got to do is play Tom Izzo maybe in the second round. Cal's got it easy. It's the easiest run to the Sweet 16 maybe in the history of a two-seed. So, Dan, the unintended consequences of Tennessee being a three-seed and not a two-seed, which isn't the end of the world, but when Joe Lenardi and everyone else says, well, Sundays never mattered. You know, the conference tournament really doesn't matter that much. Now you got Rick Barnes and his media availability today saying, well, if that's the case, I think if you're securely in the tournament, you should just rest your starters for the conference tournament and give everyone in your conference a chance to win their way in. And there's two sides to this because we all expected A&M to be in after their wins over Auburn and Arkansas to get to that game. And instead, they're left out. Um, These conferences, Dan, don't want their coaches thinking that way going into these conference tournaments that drive a lot of money where all the good teams are going to rest their guys because the committee is blatantly telling them conference tournament play does not matter for the selection process. Well, it matters when you're in Indiana and you've been lousy all year. You get two good wins and now you're in. But when the Sunday, when the championship game doesn't matter, that's asinine. Greg Shaheen, who ran this tournament and set up the current system, was on my show, and he's like, this has to be addressed. I'm going to tell you what I did in 2000 and, uh, 2002. We won about 24 games. Kent State was going to get in a tournament. They became an Elite Eight team, right? Lost Indiana in Rupp Arena to go to the Final Four in 2002. I went to the coach of Kent, and I went to the commissioner. I said, look, for the good of our league, how about Kent just throw this game? Seriously. I mean, it doesn't matter to them. If we win the game, the MAC gets two teams in. That helps the damn league. I I totally agree. If these games aren't going to matter, 
if Iowa can't get better than a five seed, if you're telling me Kentucky and Auburn are better right now than what UT is, that's total crap. I don't. Rick Barnes is right. Why the hell even play these games if they're not going to matter? The thing that I think college basketball has this ass backwards. I think we do all this stuff. We care about the Champions Classic or Maui. Remember back in Maui, which was actually in Vegas, so-and-so beat so-and-so? No, I really don't. Do you remember back in Feast Week at Thanksgiving, so-and-so? No, I really don't. I tell you what I do remember is Iowa whipping, and I mean whooping up on folks, Purdue, to win a Big Ten title. I remember Virginia Tech doing something unprecedented, absolutely beating the brakes off North Carolina one night and beating the brakes off of Duke. How in the heck does it matter what somebody did in December in a non-conference game and the game that you just played against a team that knows you for a title does it? It is the dumbest thing I have heard in NCAA basketball, and I heard that they actually let Will Wade coach for about two years after all the crap he was doing. I've heard some dumb stuff, fellas. Uh, so it's easy for people on the outside of anything to say, well, if you're a bubble team, you don't get in. You should have won more. You should have done more and not been on the bubble, and that's what you tell your team. Um, what does Buzz Williams tell his team at Texas A&M oh. a- after that? I mean, you've been on the inside of this dance, so I want to ask you, maybe from experience, but you know, people that don't care as much about it or have no dog in the hunt say, well, go tell your team you should have won more games and you wouldn't have had to worry about it. But you can't tell a group of kids that just went on a great run in a tournament that fell just a little bit short, and then they think they're going to get in and they're not. I don't know if you go into that meeting room and say, hey, guys, should have won more in January, and we wouldn't be in this position. How do you handle that? Uh, You know what? They also, people forget this, they won six in a row. I mean, they didn't just win a couple in a conference tournament. They won some before that. You know, everybody knows the deal, and you know this. I mean, you know, when you're in that situation like Texas A&M is, you're following it. You're following Lenardi. You're following Jerry Palm. You're following whoever. So you kind of know, you know. And in this day and age, everything is such out there. You just you got to do what you just said, which is, hey, you know, we didn't take care of business. We got another opportunity in the NIT. I thought personally for certain that Texas A&M was in the tournament. I, I really did. I thought, man, when you watch that run, they didn't just beat Auburn. They beat Auburn. They had them down 18, 16. Yeah, I know it got back to five, but they blasted them. I, 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 look, it is literally, and this is kind of weird, it is literally impossible for a school like Indiana not to make the tournament or Michigan not to make the tournament. I don't think the SEC is quite there yet. I would argue, you know what, uh, the wins that Texas A&M had, in their tournament were better than the wins that my school, Indiana, had in the Big Ten tournament, yet Indiana got in. I just don't think the SEC is quite there yet. Because, you know, if I were if I were Texas A&M, I'd move on because you have to. But I think I would examine everything that I did over the course of the season from start to finish, who we scheduled, where we scheduled them, when we schedule them, because, man, it, they just, they're telling you. They're telling you your last game didn't matter only if you won, which means the game before didn't matter, which means the game before didn't matter. It matters what you do in December, January. Asinine, in my humble opinion. But, look, 
I, I think I, maybe I talked to you about this today, Chad, on my show. I always boycotted voted for player of the year. These guys, the Naismith Award and the Wooden Award and all that crap, they used to send you these applications or these voting things like first of February. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> the most important games are that road game that, that Iowa had to go play to, uh, excuse me, to beat Illinois. And Illinois had to play at home to win a conference title. Or Wisconsin had to play to beat Nebraska. They didn't do it. Those are the most important games of the year. I don't give a damn what you do in Maui by the time this time of year comes. But I'm telling you, college basketball, it is the most ridiculous, money-driven. That's not the most money-driven. I'll say football is. But for those kind of things, it's ridiculous. Just let the season play out and then evaluate everybody based on the entire season, for crying out loud. Dan, I think you're on to something here because every national college basketball analyst talking head was up in arms over Tennessee being a three seed. I mean, universally, everyone was angry about that. And they seem to have a lot of love for the SEC and how they picked the brackets and watching the conference. But yet, here's the Big Ten with more teams in the tournament than the SEC. And the perception of that Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, I think, is so much greater than that of any SEC tournament and winning that tournament from people nationally. So I'll ask you, do you think it's fair? Is the Big Ten the best conference in basketball this season? Did the SEC get slighted? Is there sort of a national perception about the Big Ten being a great basketball, which I think it's a great basketball conference, but are they, are they going a little bit more on reputation these days than in years past? Yes and no. They don't count, apparently, they don't count the Big Ten championship game either. Yeah. Nine teams from the Big Ten is ridiculous. A 9-11 team, again, it's my school, a 9-11 team in a conference that played a bad non-conference schedule like Indiana did should not be in the NCAA tournament. I'm glad they are. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting like hell for them. You know, I want – I'm tired of trying to explain to people – yeah, I played in Indiana. Yeah, you know, it was good back then. What's happened to it? Well, you know, you get tired of all that. But, no, there's no excuse for a 9-11 uh, team from a league to be in that played a bad non-conference game. There just isn't. I'm, I'm sorry, but I love it. So, yeah, I think there is a bit of a perception uh, that the Big Ten, it's not right. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Who's made the final four out of the Big Ten, not named Michigan State in a while? I, I don't uh, – maybe there's somebody. Uh, Michigan has when Beeline was there. But the truth of the matter is the SEC is every bit as good, if not better. Uh, but, man, t tell me the Big Ten isn't more highly rated or highly favored the next time the SEC gets nine teams in, one of which has the losing record in the league. Uh, when you see that, then they're on equal footing. Dan, take – matchups and bracket out of it who is the best team in this field who is the best team that you've Gonzaga seen all year is. in this tournament I, I thought I, I think Gonzaga is I'm not in love with Baylor I think they're good I think Arizona uh would be second in my mind I do like how Kansas has played I, I look at this and I say I'm not sure which one it's going to be but I'm not going to be surprised even a little bit uh by who makes the final four meaning a mid-major can make the final four I, I don't know but I do know this uh, I'm not going to be surprised because there isn't anybody in this tournament that is physically imposing. You know, the two kids that play, Timmy and uh, Holgrim, that play at Gonzaga, they're not physically dominating. You know, you don't have Reddish and Zion Williamson and all these guys. You just don't. 
And when I watch teams play, everybody runs the same offense. College basketball, in terms of how it's coached, is arguably the dullest, uh, most sheep-like coaching in America. Everybody literally runs the same thing. Everybody, there's no difference in offense. Ball screen on the side, somebody dives, somebody pops, we hand off, we run, we whatever. Um, <laughs> but I don't think there's anybody physically imposing. I do think Gonzaga is the best. I do think that Gonzaga is is it's like you knock, you knock, you knock, and then and, and then you break through. But I'm not going to be surprised if Iowa doesn't go on a hell of a run here. Not even a little bit. They can put the damn ball in the basket. Yep. 112 points about six or five weeks ago, whatever it was, at uh, excuse me, at uh, uh, Maryland opened up my eyes. They dropped 112, I think, again in the Big Ten tournament. Talked to Fran McCaffrey today. This is a bonded team. I'm not going to be surprised if all four number one seeds make it. I'm not going to be surprised at anything because I just don't think there's physically a dominant group out there. What is it about Iowa's offense that makes them so different? I mean, they put up a hundred and nearly 120 <laughs> points in the Big Ten tournament, which I don't think people realize how difficult that is to do. And then they scored 80 uh, aside from that matchup, um, tell me about Iowa's offense, Dan, and why it's so difficult to defend. Um, they move, they they cut, they don't stand. Everybody can make a jump shot. Everybody, and the truth of the matter is, they know who their star is. Their star is Keegan Murray. They've got a guy that late, that late will make every damn shot, and he's done it for five years. Um, look, at the end of the day, Iowa has guys at every spot that can knock it in. And if Connor McCaffrey is the one guy that people play off of, well, i got to tell you, uh, he knocked in the biggest shot of the game the other day. So long story short, they don't just stand and hand off. They move it. They cut it. They don't They don't get stagnant because because of a postman and they got a dude in Kenyon or Keegan Murray that you know I mean you know absolutely is going to get you 25 and I don't give a damn how hard you play him but I'm telling you they're all long they're all athletic they can all shoot it and when I say shoot it I'm not just talking about jump shots I'm talking about leaners fadeaway and last thing they ain't afraid to push the ball they are not afraid to push the ball not even a little bit they will get it down the court they will push it, they will find the next, and they will knock it in. Uh, when you can shoot it and you're unselfish and you got an absolute superstar, maybe the number one pick in the draft, you got offense. Dan, are you, are you surprised at all about the some more coaching news today? Frank Martin out at South Carolina. Does that surprise you that South Carolina is going in a different direction? I swear, I swear to God, it's like 10 minutes ago. He just us in the final four. People forget that. Yeah, it does. I don't know. You know, there was one of their assistants. I don't know if this is fallout from, you know, the FBI deal. I, I don't know if they, you know, they mutually agreed. But, yeah, we need more people like Frank Martin. Uh, we absolutely do. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Frank is a great man, great basketball coach. The SEC and everywhere else, uh, every league that Frank has ever been in understands that the dude does more with less. I hope he's back in the game because not only that, he's a fantastic mentor. So, look, um, hopefully this is short for him. Hopefully it's short-term for Crean. Hopefully it's short. Uh, hopefully it's long-term for Will Wade. He gets his ass out of basketball forever. Uh, and hopefully also that Ben Howland, you know what? Uh, ben, 
retired on his own. Dan Dockich has been our guest, breaking down the brackets. Uh, Dan, we're the winner of the the Outkick Bracket Challenge. We're going to put the photo up uh, in our backdrop. So I know you, you've signed up, Dylan signed up, and others from your show. Um, maybe we'll we'll have you represented in in the background for the next full calendar year. Who knows? Hey, all I want I want to go see Bill Burr, and I want to get into that five thousand dollars that go. people are spending because I'll put about three four hundred on it. <laughs> I will. We, we could do that in town. We, we, we can see too that you get into Bill Burr if you. If you oh want, yeah. If you're serious about coming down, Let's we go. can make that happen. Oh, I'd love to. I love Bill Burr. I'd absolutely see him. Uh, we're doing that. I hey, mean, your city's going to be on fire with Kentucky and Tennessee coming to town. Oh, hey, Kentucky! They're scared to death to come to Bloomington. The women are coming to Bloomington, so their women are going to play our women. Tennessee's coming. Kentucky's coming. Last time Kentucky was here, at least that I saw, is literally true story. Ten o'clock in the morning. And at 10 o'clock in the morning, I drive through Mass Ave, which is a popular spot to get downtown. Bars are filled. It was the Champions Classic like three years ago. And the truth of the matter is uh, they stopped liquor sales in Gamebridge Fieldhouse because Kentucky fans, Kentucky was getting its brains beat out. Kentucky fans were fighting among each other, and they had to stop liquor sales. I love when Kentucky comes to town because a bunch of the bar owners are my buddies. They're back. They're coming back. The blue mist hits yeah, Indy. They will drain Indy of all of its alcohol. Yeah, they will. Get ready. Yeah. Dan, you're the man. Thank you as always. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. See all you, right. guys. Don't at me with Dan Dockett's mornings across the Outkick Network. Always a great chat there. We could, we, Chad, we need to discuss Will Wade. Yes. And this righteous gemstones-like statement I have that LSU thoughts. put out where you know they're selling a load of crap and then behind the scenes they're laughing at all of us for regurgitating this stuff as though they're they're high and mighty and above all of us. We won't and regurgitate. There's nothing it. to see here. We will not be regurgitating on this yeah, show. Don't look at the wins. Look at how righteous they are for getting rid of, rid of Will Wade uh, after the the allegations poured in. Our thoughts. The only regurgitation on this show will be Jakob Swanson regurgitating the weekend <laughs> at some point. That's it. That's that's where we draw the line. Luckily that's not on camera either. Nope. Uh, Outkick 360 rolls on. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Teddy Bridgewater reportedly will sign a contract to head home to Miami. Signing a contract to back up Tua Tagovailoa for the Miami Dolphins. At least, I say back up in quotations there. Who knows how things work out? Bridgewater signed the same type deal in Denver. Uh, now he signs a contract in Miami. That is a one-year contract, according to Schefter. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Uh, should also throw out that uh, per Pro Football Network, the Browns are taking calls from other teams about quarterback Baker Mayfield. So there's a there's another trade uh, possibility on top of whatever is going to happen uh, with um, uh, the potential of what the Colts end up doing there. Will that, that be uh, Indy's man, Could Baker be. Mayfield? Could be. Keep you updated on all of the the latest news and notes across uh, the the free agent wire as negotiations can officially start today and have started. 
prior to today across the NFL. Will Wade is out as the head coach at LSU. News came out on Saturday. Uh, Chad was on his way over to the house. We watched the, the Tennessee game, and I sent you a text on your drive and said, Will Wade's just been fired, and you, you loved it. You sent me a heart. We don't often hang out at each other's homes either. This just happened to be – Hutton just randomly dropped it in. Chad was headed over for his daily visit to my house. It would, uh, it would we, surprise no we one. We had a television game uh, in Actually, Murfreesboro. Chad was headed home. We, we lived together. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I sublet yeah. uh, your, your house. Uh, we had a basketball game in Murfreesboro that we were preparing for, and uh, I went to Hutton's home before the game. So, um, the Will Wade news. This quote. This, get, this get, let's get to the quote and then let me respond this to This statement quote. from LSU, uh, a, a joint statement between William F. Tate, the university president, uh, and Scott Woodward, the AD, in an open letter. By the way, William added the F in the middle of it. It's really just Willie Tate, and he wanted to go William F. Tate because hey, it sounds like a he's, president. A, he's a head of academia. That, that, that's, that's the only reason he's adding like the Sounds like a president F. to me. Um, we can no longer subject our university Department of Athletics, and most importantly, our student-athletes, to this taxing and already lengthy process without taking action. Our responsibility to protect and promote the integrity and well-being of our entire institution and our student-athletes will always be paramount. That from Louisiana State University, who brought back Will Wade after the 2017 allegations and report uh, from the wiretap with with everything involved there from what Will Wade said was a strong-ass offer to a potential recruit, um, among other allegations, as a part of that investigation. That, that was 2017. And now in 2022, they released this statement saying, uh, you know, most importantly, our student-athletes. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's pure insanity. And LSU is, is doing the old uh, trick where, you know, it's look at my hand over here moving around while they're really doing oh, something yeah. different. Yep. Five years, five years, LSU allowed this guy to operate knowing that he was on recording from the FBI offering money to a player. LSU suddenly became a recruiting juggernaut. Gee, I wonder why. Is it Will Wade's great track record as a head coach in college basketball? No, it's because he was cheating way more than anyone else in college basketball. He was right up there towards the top, and LSU had the proof. And instead of acting on it, they spit in the face of the NCAA. They spit in the face of the SEC, which, by the way, this guy doesn't have a single friend among SEC coaches. They all hate him. They don't respect him. And there's a reason for that. And they go for five years winning basketball games, getting in fights in basketball games, allowing Will Wade to act like an idiot on the sideline, getting teed up left and right. And then the NCAA finally comes back and says, all right, here it is. It's all in a nice, pretty package for you. Here's what we have on Will Wade. It's five major violations that we have on Will Wade. Oh, well, now let's draft. Let's get that statement ready. No, 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 no. That's the draft. It's it five major violations and a loss in the SEC tournament quickly. Well, let's, it, let's pair all that in, together. They're a too. six seed in the tournament, so I think that loss doesn't really no, but, matter but that Chad, much. But, Chad, if they win the SEC tournament, which they had the talent to do, I mean, they, they could very easily pull a Texas A&M-like run, and they could have been there. If they win the SEC tournament, are we talking about this today? I think we probably are because it's five major five. Because they found the NCAA, reasons to keep the him NCAA, because they were winning. Well, the NCAA is about to give him a show cause where he's not going to be able to coach anywhere for five to ten years. That That is a lot. That is not unprecedented but, in college basketball. I mean, but if Bruce Pearl, Bruce Pearl, I think, had two 
one or two major violations and got three years. He's about to get a decade where he's not going to be able to coach. Um, th- that's what I hope. And here's also what I hope on this. The NCAA, I don't want them to be in enforcement much anymore. They need to be in enforcement on this. LSU deserves it. LSU asked for it. They mocked you. They deserve it. Will Wade deserves whatever he gets also. Throw the book at LSU. I don't want to talk about LSU as a basketball program for about five to ten years. This is my TED Talk. Thank you very much. Be done with them. And if they don't, what a statement that is. Not, not just the statement they released, but what a statement that is from the NCAA if they don't do something to LSU off of this. Well, it's the it's, – I laugh. Imagine being, I the, the, imagine being the programs that actually play ball and, and tried to limit, limit punishment from the, from the governing body. I'll put that in quotations too. Uh, the NCAA enforcement. Well, they act like they care. At least they're acting like they care about, you know, integrity and playing by the rules. LSU never acted like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Until they had to. Until the NCAA came back with all these major violations, they had to. Khalil Mack is a Charger via trade, and the Chargers have just made another splash move. We'll tell you about the free agent signing that will become official on Wednesday. Plus, we'll continue bracket reaction from Selection Sunday next on Outkick 360.